0: All right. Well, again, welcome to Hope Lower Town. Um, in case you're wondering, Ben, if you wouldn't mind, uh, just turn me down a little bit. I feel like I'm a little, a little hot. There we go. Thank you. Um, so uh, this, this shirt. In case you're wondering, says this is church. This is serious. Um, this was made by one of our other pastors. There was a couple of weeks ago when my voice cracked. Uh, those of you remember, and uh, and I couldn't get control of myself. Hi. I had uh, continually laughed and couldn't stop laughing, and that was a line I said, and so he made me a shirt uh, to remind me that this is church, this is serious. Um, you know, I, we, we hopefully take the gospel seriously, not ourselves too seriously around here, and, uh, <laughs> and can have fun. So, anyways, welcome. Um, uh, we are in week 16 of uh, Ephesians, believe it or not, and um, so we've, we've been walking through this book for, uh, obviously for 16 weeks, and uh, so I just want to give a quick uh, recap from where, where we've been. Um, and then just real quick, sorry, I forgot to mention this. We have the doors open because in case you couldn't tell, um, it smells of paint in here. They uh, sanded and repainted all of the pews, which looks great, uh, but whew. Hopefully, it's not still wet, so you might want to check your backs when you get up, but I think, I think it's dry. Um, anyway, so just letting you know about that. So if you get cold, just put your coats back on or scoot up to the front or something. So All right, so again, uh, I just want to kind of give a, a quick recap of where we've, where we've been. Uh, This idea of kind of old to new, old versus new, that the Apostle Paul is gonna give what seems to be, uh, depending on what church you grew up in or or how it was taught, these imperatives that you you have to do this, 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 and this, and this, and look at them more rather as an indicative um, or something that uh, is is life-changing, something that that I can do rather than something I need to do that is completely necessary for salvation. Um, And so I kind of gave this this illustration that the the Bible that when you, if you had a paper Bible, even the electronic version, it had these headings. And the NIV, which is what we normally read from, uh, has this heading, Instructions for Christian Living. And that's a, not a very good heading. It's not helpful uh, because it, it just has this idea of, I have to do this, more of, a, of, of imperatives. I, I need to do this if I'm a Christian. Um, and I kind of had this idea of the good dog, bad dog, where you've got, uh, if I feed my good dog, uh, then I won't feed my bad dog. And so when I have these urges from the bad dog, then my good dog will beat it out and, and whatever it may be, and that's just not how how this is should be read uh, of of doing good or not doing good because even when I'm doing good I'm still under the law or these commands of just obey just be better just be good and then all and then I'm okay and that's just not the gospel Uh, that's not what Jesus teaches that's not what the Apostle Paul is teaching and so uh, rather uh, we should look at this as a a new life a new way of, of living uh, and so I, I, I've read this now, This is the third week in a row I've led this, read this quote from Douglas Moo, uh, and he's talking about, uh, he's quoting from Romans chapter 8, but the uh, same, the Apostle Paul, same author, and so a very similar language, and it's really just a one for one. And so uh, Douglas Mu says this, in this passage, flesh and spirit stand over against each other, not as parts of a person or anthropological dualism, right, these good dog, bad dog, nor even as impulses or powers within a person, but as the powers or dominating features of the two realms of salvation history. To walk according to the flesh, then, is to have one's life determined and directed by the values of this world and the world in rebellion against God. It is a lifestyle that is purely human in its orientation. To walk according to the Spirit, on the other hand, is to live under the control and according to the values of the new age created and dominated by Christ by God's spirit and his eschatological gift, just this uh, end time culmination of giving. And so that's a, that's a different way of thinking it. Not just good versus bad, evil versus good. Uh, this is this is a change of lifestyle, a new realm that I'm in. That's, that's going to uh, pop up again in today's passage. So last week just kind of had these, we're not looking at these I I must do this so that God will love me, but more as an indicative, now I'm I'm able to do these things that God has commanded, but I'm now able to do it because it's a a life change. I've I've, I've transformed. I've gone from death to life. And now I can do this. Like I I can just work this out and I I can fix this on my own versus now Christ being my motivation to love him and to follow after him. And so that leads us to uh, today's, Sermon, this week's sermon uh, titled Knowing is Half the Battle, Ephesians 5:15. Through 20. So I, I don't do this very often, but we, we have a shorter uh, chunk of, of passage this morning. So I'm just going to ask you to stand uh, as I read. You don't need to read it out loud with me, but just stand as I as I do read this out loud. Um, just that of uh, just a, a lot of churches do this, and just kind of a way to say this is the reading of God's word. And and again, normally we have a longer passage, and so this was just it just kind of fit this week. So let me let me read through it, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time. Uh, walking through this passage. So Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse 15 says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which, is, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit, speaking to other in psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ thank you, you maybe see them so i want to look at this kind of first this first phrase unwise wise what what is wisdom and what comes to mind when you think of wisdom. If you've been around the church, you may have been familiar with one of the uh, first kings, or the second king, or sorry, third king of Israel, uh, Solomon. Uh, and Solomon was known for his wisdom, and that he was deemed just the, the wisest man, until Jesus, when, when it's, it's penned, that someone greater than Solomon is here. But that, So maybe in Bible language, we might think of that. We might even think of, of the book of Proverbs, which we're gonna actually talk about uh, just briefly that we think well that's wisdom these are some wise sayings right we might think of maybe a, a relative a grandma or a grandpa who just seems to know not just have the knowledge of everything but, but what to do and how to say it uh in the right time you might have relatives of just the exact opposite uh, of that um i remember in in high school i had a teacher that <laughs> that when we would when i would do something um even if it wasn't like against the rules um, right, and they're like, "Hey, you, you just did this thing, right? You 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 just you know b- broke that or whatever, right?" Um, and is it like wrong? Well, I was like, "Well, it's not like wrong to do that." And their their, re- their response always was like, "Yeah, but what is? But was it wise?" <laughs> it's like, hey, "Well, I'm not a fool, you know, but yeah, it probably wasn't the the most wise thing." So, but but what comes to mind? And so this is in Ephesians here again. Be, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. And again, you, you could look at this as, as law, as uh, imperative, be, be careful how you live and, and don't be a fool, don't be unwise, but I want you to be wise, right? Do it, fix it, be be wise. And so we can learn and we can acquire some, some knowledge. And I think I've shared this before. This is... Um, uh, a definition of of wisdom that I remember uh learning in in college or seminary or somewhere of 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 the answer to the question what is wisdom that wisdom is the right application of knowledge and i know i 'm pretty sure i 've shared that from the pulpit before um, is that if that if I have wisdom even even last night I was watching a survival show uh, called alone uh, maybe some of you are familiar with that and uh in it there these people spend like 90 days by themselves out in the in the wilderness. It's insane, right? But and every time they're doing something, they're they're setting up a little trap, you know, or something for for an animal or something They're trying to they don't eat for like 10 days and they get a squirrel and they're, you know, going nuts uh, No, no pun intended uh, And uh, but anyways, when they're making a little trap, it has a little um, You know, little thing comes in the bottom subtitles like this is this kind of trap and it was originated by this Whatever And they kind of teach you how to do it, right? Uh, Fool, uh, foolishness would be, okay, I know I've learned some skills from watching this show uh, and I would be a fool to go out into the wilderness and, and just hope that a squirrel would jump into my fire, right? It isn't, it's not, I'm not applying knowledge that I've gleaned. And so wisdom, by definition, what I was taught is that it is the right application of that knowledge, okay? I've gleaned this knowledge and so now I, I do it, I apply it to life. Well, let's see if that, that holds up. Um, it doesn't. Spoiler alert. I will, uh, which I'll I'll get into that. In the 1940s, uh, during World War II, they they started the the Ad Council started these these PSAs. Uh, and this was one, loose lips uh, sink ships. That was a very popular phrase that happened. And the idea was that if a sailor uh, is, is with somebody or you know, he may say, oh yeah, we're, well, hey, we're going over here, but we'll be back here in two weeks, uh, then, then they, that might spread, right? That they don't know who they're talking to. They don't know who's around. And so the idea was to, to be quiet. Uh, but, but the ads though, these were always um, printed by actual companies. Even though it didn't serve the company any benefit, uh, the idea was these, these PSAs, and, and it was by the Ad Council, I'm sure they got money off of it, someone made money. It wasn't just to help the United States win the war, but I'm sure it helped. Um, but it was, just, it was constantly in front of people, uh, to say, hey, this this needs to be in front of you uh, so that we don't lose this war on something silly, like talking to somebody, when, when we shouldn't. Um, but then in, in the 80s and 90s, and I know this isn't going to hit uh, everyone. There's a few Gen Xs in here, but uh, other than you, uh, and then I know there's a couple Gen Zs, you know, so this, this might not make any sense. Um, but there was a lot of PSAs when I was a kid. I mean a lot. Um, Smokey the Bear, uh, if you remember, only you can prevent forest fires. And then it was like, really? Only me? So the forest fire going on in California right now, that was my fault and I don't think so. Um Right, but, we, but we get it, and I actually saw one when I was looking for them, and there's one that was like, only you, like literally only you, we've been defunded, uh, can prevent forest fires. It's like, oh, geez, okay, sorry. I guess it is my fault. Um, and then uh, McGruff, you know, let's take a bite out of crime. And, it, and that was always a weird one. Uh, does anyone remember that one? Uh, which is weird because what do you want me to do about it? You know what I mean? Like, I'm in second grade. What am I, how am I supposed to take a bite out of crime? Uh, that was uh, an interesting one. Uh, another one that we all got a lot uh, was stop, drop, and roll. This this has been going on for a while, but man, we I, this was so pushed. Like every moment, every classroom had this, where you were just like, what, like, when's the moment that I'm gonna get caught on fire? Uh, it's like you, like, clearly everyone gets caught on fire at some point in their life. Oh, because why does everyone need to know this? Uh, but then again, I was a child of the 80s, uh, early 90s, and I used to watch this TV show called Captain Planet. And Captain Planet—it was a whole cartoon that was a PSA, uh, the whole thing. Uh, and so you have Earth, Fire, Wind, Water, Heart. I don't know what that means. Uh, and no one ever wanted to be Heart, you know, when you're little kids, acting and running around. I want to talk to animals. No, I want fire, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and with your powers combined, I am Captain Planet. So they'd hold their rings up and Captain Planet would appear out of their magical rings. And, and the whole theme song, Captain Planet, he's our hero, takes pollution down to zero. <laughs> the whole entire show was about cleaning up the planet, right? Uh, don't put plastic in the ocean, kids. And there's, you know, Mr., uh, you know, Mr. Wattage was like the villain. Kids leave the windows open when the AC is on and Captain Planet comes and shuts all the windows and... I'm not making this off, that was, that was the thing. Um, uh, but, but the one that I really wanted to highlight though is, is G.I. Joe. And G.I. Joe uh, had this, um, uh, they, they were basically was just a giant commercial for you to buy their, their toys. So the same thing was with Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles was not, a, they, like, they weren't good shows, but they made you go out and buy the toys. Uh, and so, growing up, we all had GI Joes. Uh, we all had the Ninja Turtles, and uh, and I a guy. That's what we did. And and so we and it was you'd fight. You would just fight with these, with these things. And so uh, this was an interesting article. So let me let me just read this if I can here. Um, this is a news article that says this: the producers of the show may have been nice people, but giving up 30 seconds of their runtime wasn't something done out of the goodness of their hearts. So here's what would happen: you'd watch. 29 and a half minutes of war, okay, and, and chaos. Uh, like the main villain in G.I. Joe's, his whole thing was he would hire mercenaries to go start skirmishes to start wars because he was a, a weapons manufacturer. Uh, and the G.I. Joe's then would fight the, the cobras and they would, yeah, that's how it was. There's a whole, that was the whole plot was war, all right? And so it's saying, hey, that, it was, but they didn't give up 30 seconds because at the end of every episode, There was 30 seconds of a PSA, of a public service announcement. Says this, there were two huge and obvious problems with the TV show after all. First off, the show was arguably a commercial for the toy, just one that was masquerading as content. The second, even if you bought the idea that the show was entertainment, I did, in its own right, and did not like, uh, was not likely to induce a purchase, it was still a show directed at adolescents which makes war look like a lot of fun, which it did. Uh, in an era where the entertainment choices available to children were under a microscope, see the whatever, uh, the G.I. Joe show seemed like an easy target. So, so the government was like, hey, G.I. Joe, you can't just show cartoons in war like you like we're trying to protect our kids here a little bit uh and so they but they knew that so the gi joe team knew that though so they got proactive and the psas were there to combat critics which would certainly come out of the woodwork otherwise mental floss uh explains it must be another news something in order to show that the cartoon was not just a half hour commercial for the toys but was actually educational Sunbow, the production company, added a small public service announcement at the end of every episode to teach the kids some sort of lesson. And so, what would happen is you'd have this again, just war, and then and then GI Joe would stand there in front of some kids. There'd be some bullies; they're beating somebody up, and then and then you know Snake Eyes would stand there and be like, "Being a bully's bad," you know. And then and then the, and then the bullies would go, "Oh, now I know." And then GI Joe then would say. And knowing is half the battle, right? That was always a thing. And they were ridiculous. Like some, they were in the 80s that for sure wouldn't be passed today. But like, and random, like here's how to stop a bloody nose. Uh, here's how to uh, get your eyes checked. You know, there were like just these random things that would happen. And so it, it made me kind of get thinking about this idea of knowing is half the battle. Is that true? Because, because this is accurate to G.I. Joe. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. So then gaining the knowledge is half the battle, right? Not now I know. So then the other half of GI Joe's definition of wisdom is now I, now I do it, right? I, I, I get the knowledge and now I apply it. Well, that's clearly uh, not the case of what happens. And this was really, really interesting. So on the, uh, this past week on, on Tuesday morning, I drove down to kind of Chicago area um, and uh, it's actually in the middle of nowhere, nowhere near Chicago, but in the central Illinois. And uh, I drove down there with Drew Zolke, lead pastor of Columbia Heights. And we are a part of the Acts 29 uh, cohort. It's just a church planning network. and. Um, so churches that are similar in age, similar in size, we, we get together with other uh, uh, churches from the Midwest, their lead people, and we go down there and we have a, uh, a conversation about just things that are going on in our lives. And anyways, on the way down, Drew and I uh, were talking about this passage, because uh, he's preaching on the same thing right now, and, and, uh, and then downtown our campus are preaching on the same, same thing as well, same passage. And... Um, we got talking about it and he said, well, I actually have this woman uh, that goes to my church who um, has her doctorate in the Hebrew language in Proverbs. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Where's that for me, uh, people? Uh, Get on that. Um, And so he was like, how about I call her um, and we we can talk about what is wisdom. And so, so we, so we, so he calls this this uh, woman. Her name is Beth uh, Courier. She is a professor at Pillar Seminary. This is just her 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 like bio on the website. Beth focuses her research research on wisdom literature, poetry, and Hebrew Bible and cognitive linguistic approaches to Hebrew Bible text. She's co-chair of the Cognitive Linguistics and Biblical Interpretation section of the Society of Biblical Literature, is editing a forthcoming introduction on cognitive linguistics uh, for, the bio, for Bible scholars and is working on uh, articles and book chapters for other publications. Beth has authored several dictionary entries for the Cambridge Dictionary of Christianity and is also writing a book on cognitive approaches to wealth, the rich, poverty, and the poor in the book of Proverbs. Uh, right? Like, she seems like she's the expert, right? Uh, when it comes to Hebrew wisdom literature, right? Uh, so he, he calls her up, and, and I was just, my mind was just blown, right? Like, everything I knew, like, knowing's half the battle, right? Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. She says uh, she is uh, a friend of the author, of, uh, his name's uh, Michael Fox. Um, and uh, just joking, it's not Michael J. Fox, it's Michael. Michael V. Fox is his name. Uh, this is from his book, Proverbs uh, 1 through 9. And it was, man, it was mind blowing, right? She, as on the phone, she's just spewing information that, that I would have to read multiple books, and it's just naturally flowing out of her mouth. Um, and like she, she's like verbally quoting, and we're like, is there any way we could get these uh, in, in an email form? And so she sent these to us. But this is what Michael Fox says Wisdom isn't simply knowing what's good to do okay cool knowing's half the battle it's we now we got to do it this is what he says i love this wisdom is a disposition of character a configuration of knowledge fears expectations and desires that enables one to identify the right path and keep to it wisdom means not only knowing and i love it. it doesn't say and then doing it doesn't mean only knowing, but also desiring to do what is right. Whoa, now that, that is a shift. That's a massive shift. That's a shift, exactly what the Apostle Paul has been saying, this is a new life. This is a change, this is a, a turning from that to this, death to life, darkness to light, but it's not a matter of just, I gotta do this and, 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 and grit down and, and be better, it's a desire. It's this new realm that I'm walking into, as I mentioned from that Douglas Moo quote. Michael Fox continues later on in the book, a configuration of the soul, its moral character and fostering moral character is, not an over, is no overstatement to say is at all times the greatest goal of education. But it's not just I want to give you information, but, but this moral development, I want, I want you to know what to do with this information now. It is also the greatest challenge for moral character comes down to desiring the right things. And how can we teach desire? By PSAs and a GI Joe, right? No one's half the bad, no, of course not. You can't just tell kids what to do, right? You can't just say, hey, don't touch downed live telephone wires. It's not, it's not good. There's gotta be a desire of change. That the law is no different. The law in the Old Testament, is full of things. Do this, don't do that, but it cannot change my heart. It cannot change my desire to do what is right. Be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Not just applying information, but shifting my idea of what life is. how do we know this? Ephesians chapter three. We gotta go back into the context of what Paul has been teaching on to the church in Ephesus. He says this back in chapter three, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, that there is a, a change. I'm getting a new name now. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through His Holy Spirit in your inner being. We're going to see that again later. This is something that I just do. I just stop that, do this. This is something that the Spirit of God that now indwells inside of me, that now urges me, that changes me in my inner being, so that Christ may dwell in my hearts through faith, not through law. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. You, this is a fact, you are rooted, you're grounded. You are established in the love of Christ that you may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You are rooted in that. So my prayer for you, church, is that you would begin to understand how deeply loved you are by Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That that's the desire change. That's the heart change that happens. Not just knowing half the battle. So let's keep going through this text, redeeming the time. The Apostle Paul again says this be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. A change. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. This got me thinking uh, last night. I, I remembered um, when I was a senior in high school, I went to a, a small Christian school in Schaumburg, Illinois, and, uh, and I remembered my senior year, our class verse uh, was Ephesians uh, 5, 16, this, this exact verse of redeem the time, for the days are, are evil. This was, this was it, redeem the time, class of 2004. Uh, that was our thing. And I, and I remember my homeroom teacher, I cannot think of his name, great guy though. Uh, But he would say it all the time, anytime. The bell would ring and we'd all run to class and he would say, redeem the time for the days are evil. I mean, every single day I heard that uh, my junior and senior year when he was our homeroom teacher. Um, Did he have homeroom? Is that like a weird Christian school thing or does everyone have that? Everyone has that? Okay. All right. I wasn't sure. Uh, Redeem the time. Right, and, and again, it, it just kind of turned into um, this this law of almost like a guilt, like right, the uh, idle hands, the devil's workshop. So if you're just sitting around doing nothing, get on it, do something good, do something of value. Um, and this this had nothing to do with anything, but I thought this was kind of humorous. This was on the next page. These were um, we took a vote on certain things. Um, so like favorite store, Aeropostale. Is that even business anymore? Are they even around anymore? Uh, Runner-up, Barnes & Noble. They're they're not a thing anymore. Um, Oh, they are? They're still around? Uh, Let's see, Uh, what were some other funny ones? Favorite cartoons, SpongeBob SquarePants. What is that? Uh, I have no idea. Um, I clearly didn't take this survey, because I don't remember this. Favorite holiday was Christmas. Runner-up, Valentine's Day. Weird. Um, And then, here's how you know you go to Christian school. Favorite song, It Is Well With My Soul. Favorite song, uh, runner-up, God Makes No Mistakes. You guys don't even probably know, know that one. Um, favorite car, Viper, runner-up Mustang. That was weird. Anyways, that had nothing to do with anything, but um, I just, I was looking I took that picture, and I was like, what is all this? Oh, weird. Um, so I had to share that. So what does this mean then? What does it mean then that we are to be uh, careful, to, to be careful how we live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That we are to be wise, this, this heart change. This is not a, an individualistic way of thinking, right? If you remember, this was maybe popular but almost a decade ago, that, that YOLO, right? You only, you only live once, you know, like go go do something, make this about, about you. And that's not the case. The Apostle Paul over and over and over again talks about community and how we live and how we build one another up. And this is about each other, not just, not just me. And the days are evil. Right? But the idea is this, this, a change of life, not just I, I don't do that, I do this, it's completely opposite. It's, it's, a, it's a new way of walking, and now walking in the body and not being foolish. So then he says this, and we're gonna look at the Lord's will. Therefore, do not be foolish, right? Kind of that same way. Here, here we know what wise is, this, this thing, and then we've been given this gift of, of life and new life in Christ, so let's not go back. Let's not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. I know I've mentioned this before. I remember as was like, right at the be- beginning or some kind of the pandemic, and we were uh, just outside in the courtyard here, and when when I remember preaching this. Um, and I gave, if some of you might have been there, and I gave the illustration of this, uh, like a two handled umbrella, which exists. You can get it on Amazon, it's a weird thing. Um, but here was the point I'm not going to try to get into all this uh, right now, but when you read your Bible, and if you ever come across this idea of God's will, that uh, just in general thinking, there's two, two ways to read God's will because he has two, two wills, if, uh, if you will. Um, that, that one is a will of decree, that God says this and it happens. God says, Brian is going to be born in 1985 in New Britain, Connecticut as, as, a, as a white man. I didn't have a say in that. Like that, that, just, that was boom. That's, that's the decree. God said, let there be light boom and there was light those are wills of decree and so there are certain times you come across a passage of scripture that says and this is the will of God and it says something and I have to ask myself what determining is it a will of decree and can I do something can I obey or disobey God's will and if I can disobey or obey it then it's not his will of decree I can't I can't disobey God's will of decree I can't do it So the other side of that is his will of command or his moral will, meaning, can I obey it or not obey it? So when we get to this one, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, I I can misunderstand. I can choose to not even try to understand. And God has, again, what's called the, the, the revealed will of God through his word that he gives us his word, and even just the passage right before this, in chapter four, it says, this is the will of God to, free immoral- to, to flee immorality, right? And again, not just, well, what does immorality mean, right? But no, I wanna get away from these things, so I need to understand who God is. And when I get to know his heart, and I know, know his love for me and his people, it's this desire that changes. Not just, ah, oh, I can't do that, and I can do this. It's now a desire, it's a life change that happens. So don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And what is the will of the Lord? Be filled with the Spirit. He says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Um, and this was another thing as we were on the phone call with Beth. Drew asked, like, why, why do you think that the Apostle Paul uh, says this phrase, don't get, don't get drunk on wine? He doesn't say, you know, we're not going to get into, you, you don't drink at all or or you should drink uh, one thing that I've always done uh, studying is I always compare uh, different viewpoints and I've got books up in my office if you want to read them one is uh, God gave wine uh, and one is should Christians drink and and you can read them both at the same time and come to your own conclusion and I know there are people in this room uh, that abstain that do not drink and then there are people who are sommeliers uh, right it's vastly different uh, but uh, but well, not a Somalier, whatever it is what's the title Alcoholer, is that really what it's called? Oh, I was like, wow, that's, a, that's intense, man. <laughs> we might need to have a talk, if that's a, I'm just kidding. All right, Do not get drunk on wine. That's not the point, right? But the point here is that leads to debauchery that, that she said it could have been an, any number of things the Apostle Paul could have said. He could, could have picked anything, like what he does with the church in Corinth. He, he, he names many things the church should not do that ends up being debaucherous but he's making this play on words, if you will. Don't be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs in the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart. This whole idea of I'm gonna be filled with the Spirit, that there is something that happens when the day that I, I go from death to life, I'm redeemed, I'm sealed with the Spirit. Right, I'm, I'm reborn by the Spirit. And then something happens, though, that I pursue Christ. And then now that the Spirit indwells in me, it then fills me. It fills me to, and, and what is the natural outpouring, those moments where I'm just overtaken with, with God and his love? And again, this change of direction, this new attitude of desire, I'm filled with the Spirit, and it leads me to worship. He said, it's completely opposite, right? We've all been there. i got to make a speech. I need some liquid courage. Why is it that karaoke is always followed by the word bar? Uh, Because no one would just start singing uh, for no reason, Uh, right? It it just leads to this, except unless you're like a worship leader or something, that's different. And and the the Africa Bible Commentary says this. But where drunkenness leads to raucous singing and shouting, being filled to the Holy Spirit leads to praise expressed in psalm hymns and spiritual songs. You can see the kind of this, this dual thing that's happening here that, that I'm going to be filled with this thing that's going to control me and allow me to just do what I want to do and give me freedom rather than being filled with the spirit, this life change, this desire of change, and it leads me into praise. And it doesn't necessarily mean, the Apostle Paul obviously lists these ideas of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I remember as a kid, um, my churches and my schools getting in debates over what these little words mean. What is a psalm when we sing it? What is a hymn when we sing it? what is a spiritual song, right? And if it doesn't fall into one of those three categories, we should never do it. That's what the law does, right? Rather, this is a life change that it just leads me to praise. It leads me to that. And there are those in this room that I know that worshiping in a a corporate setting like this isn't really your thing. And And I get that. I can appreciate that. It is odd, right, that people just gather together. We stand in a room, we sing, and we sing some hymns to God right that's like culturally that's really awkward and yet we would do that at a concert no problem right we'd we'd listen to people sing we'd stand up and we'd sing right we might be praising the the team or just enjoying the music and it's that but it's again it's, it's it's a little it's deeper it's something that leads to praise to god and is expressed in these different ways so then finally let me just go back and read this and then we'll we'll finish with this do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This all goes back to Christ. It all goes back to who is the author and the finisher, the perfecter of my faith, that I am now renewed in my thinking, renewed in my way, and so I give thanks. God, if it was all, again, these imperatives that I got to do this and don't do that. This is, a, this is a weird way to end it of now give thanks. Give thanks for all the rules that you can now follow. I, I, this, is, this is a life change that happens in me. And so I think the final thing though that we do get here though is that we give thanks to God the Father for everything. I know I, I struggle with this. I struggle with when I bow my head and I pray, that's usually a lot of times, hey, I've got this thing I need help with. I'm, I'm worried about this thing. I'm stressed about this thing. I pray for this individual who's, who's sick or whatever it may be. And, and, and don't spend a whole lot of time just giving thanks. What the Apostle Paul is saying here, that when we're filled with the Spirit, when we're being led by the Spirit, that it, the outpouring is psalms and hymns. And maybe just, a, a, this is something that I, I, I've done. I haven't done it super recently, but just open your Bible and read a psalm and, and pray it back to God. If you're like, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do, Read the Bible, he gave it to you, these are his words. Understand what the will of the Lord is? How do I do that? I read my Bible. I get to know the author and the creator. So then gospel application is this, if knowing is half the battle, which hopefully now we know is not true, then know Jesus and the other half of that is gonna follow. It's not just about acquiring information, acquiring knowledge and and then dutifully doing it, let's do what's right. It's by knowing Jesus, seeing who he is, changing it, leaning in on his spirit and following after him. One last um, slide that I think is just fitting for wise and unwise um, before we enter into a time of communion and a time of reflection, time to give thanks. First Corinthians chapter one, 26 to 31 says this, brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things in this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ who has become for us wisdom from God. What is wise and unwise? The apostle Paul is telling the church in Corinth is it's Christ but I can't just acquire knowledge and all of a sudden become wise. It's how do I apply this? How do I live this in Christ? And what the apostle Paul is saying here, it is wisdom from God, which is Christ. This is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. How do I live? I live free in Christ. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. At this time, we're gonna have a time of of communion. We've got um, elements on both sides of, of the, the bread, which represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. And I recommend, you can just snap that in half. And it just, for me, symbolically just shows, it just remembers that this is Christ's body that was broken for me. That it was his body that was betrayed, his body that was put on display for humiliation and pain. And it was broken so that my body doesn't have to be broken. And that's what leads to a desirous change. Not out of obligation, of remembering what it is that Christ did. And remembering as I take the juice that represents his blood that was shed for me to cover my sins, that he takes my sins upon himself. And I take his righteousness upon me, which according to the apostle Paul here, that is the wisdom of God. Our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So we don't boast anything I've done. Look at all the rules I obey. Look at all the bad things I don't do. I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation. I have a new name. All it asks is that you're a follower of Jesus. You don't need to be a member of this church. You don't need to be a member of any church. This might be your first time in a church. But if you hear these, the, the good news, the gospel, of just, I, I just have to believe and he forgives me, I would love for you to partake of these elements today with us. And um, the worship team is going to come back up. They're going to play two more songs. And so just feel free as you see uh, fit or led to come and grab the elements and, and you can go take a seat and uh, feel free to sing and stand whenever uh, that may be. and uh, and then we'll close uh, singing those two songs. Let me go ahead and bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son. I thank you that even now that as we partake of these elements and just concluding on um, Ephesians 5 there, what the Apostle Paul says to always give thanks, that that would be our heart, that would be our, our joy, that looking at Ephesians 4 and 5 now, that it's not, uh, all these things of, of, of what to do and what not to do. And, and it is that, it is a pursuit of holiness, but now, but my attitude, my desires have changed to be wise, to follow after Christ and to live the way that he has called us to live, but in freedom. So God, I pray now that as we partake of these elements that we would remember, that we would give thanks, that we would confess sins, that we would repent And that ultimately that you would receive the honor and the glory uh, because you are worthy of that. And uh, and we would just remember the sacrifice of your son and of you on that day uh, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So we pray these things in Christ's name, amen.